Imagine building a drone from scratch, a small, lightweight helicopter that you fly remotely. Now, imagine you're flying that drone on another planet, millions of miles away, on Mars, where the atmosphere is so thin that flight seems almost impossible. And you can't fly the drone with a remote control or a joystick. It has to fly itself. Imagine putting together all of that hardware, building in computers, batteries, landing gear, solar panels, and two separate rotor blades that are four feet wide, all while making sure it can survive a journey through space and sub-zero temperatures on Mars. And now do all of that so it weighs less than four pounds. That's ingenuity, the Mars helicopter ingenuity, and right now, it's strapped to the belly of the Perseverance rover, on its way to the red planet where it's set to make its first flight. It will be the first time an aircraft has attempted powered flight on another world. And liftoff. As the countdown to Mars continues, the Perseverance of Humanity launching the next generation of robotic explorers to the red planet. NASA is calling it a Wright Brothers moment in space exploration, a feat of engineering. It's the result of countless hours of work from a team of more than 100 engineers led by NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California. Since 2013, the team has been trying to answer one question. Can we fly a helicopter on Mars? And in 2021, we may finally have the answer. The Ingenuity mission is a first in space exploration and it's a triumph of teamwork. And at the helm is Mimi Ung, the woman leading the Mars Helicopter Project, taking human achievement to a whole new world. I'm Claire Riley, and this is Making Space. Mimi Ung has worked at NASA for more than 30 years, but her journey to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, or JPL for short, really started when she was just a kid. From a young age, Mimi was always cut out to be an engineer. I love math. Uh, just no question about it. <laughs> From when I was young to growing up, in fact, my mother was a math PhD, you know, and my father was a food science chemistry, you know, PhD. And so anyway, I grew up in a pretty technical household, but I love math. When Mimi Young says she came from a technical household, that's an understatement. Mimi was born in the United States while her parents were studying for their PhDs. When she was two and a half years old, the three of them moved back to her parents' home country of Myanmar, then known as Burma. Her mother was the first woman in the country to get a PhD in mathematics from the US. It's no wonder Mimi followed in her footsteps. Mimi grew up in different parts of the world, the US, Burma, Malaysia, and as a child, she never really had the strong urge to be part of an American institution like NASA. But she says that no matter where she was in the world, there was one constant. She was always looking up at the sky to see the stars. You always wonder, you know, what is out there, right? About the answers out there. like. Is there life out there? Are we alone on Earth? It's a very human question. I am, you know, most people have asked this question, right, to, to themselves, I'm sure. But that question always stuck with me. At the age of 16, Mimi returned to the States by herself to pursue her education. When she finished high school and it came time to choose her path at college, she chose engineering. 
Growing up, her parents had always told her to study something that had a practical application, and with her love of maths, electrical engineering was an obvious choice. Mimi got her master's in signal processing, a field of electrical engineering that deals with the way we send and receive data and digital communications. When she finished her master's, she applied to JPL and landed a job. It was just an amazing uh, connection, and I ended up taking a position in the group that was working in the deep space network, putting in the very first digital receiver. And that was a perfect job for me to start with. A single processor's dream come true, right? Mimi's love of engineering is kind of contagious. Talking to her, it's easy to get swept up in her excitement about signal processing and deep space data, which is not something I thought I would be saying. But it's so great to hear her talk about getting her dream job at JPL and slowly rising up through the ranks doing what she loved. After working with the Deep Space Network, processing data sent from spacecraft in very deep space, she developed a new fascination. Autonomous spacecraft. How NASA was able to control and communicate with space probes that were millions of miles away. In 2013, Mimi became Deputy Manager of JPL's Autonomous Systems Division, and from there, a new project came into her orbit, the Mars Helicopter. Before we get to the Mars Helicopter, we need to backtrack to the 1990s and a man named Bob Balaram. Yeah, I'm uh, Bob Balaram, and I'm the Chief Engineer for the uh, Mars Helicopter Project uh, Ingenuity. I'm at JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. Back in the 90s, Bob Balaram was at a conference when he wandered into a lecture about small helicopters used here on Earth, drones. This was before every wedding photographer was doing their own drone photo shoots. In fact, it was before small helicopters were even called drones. But the lecture got him thinking about launching a helicopter on Mars. Remember, this was the 90s. Mars was the fascinating topic of exploration. The Pathfinder mission landed on Mars in 1997, sending the first ever robotic rover out onto the Martian surface. So the natural question was, could we fly on Mars as well as rove? Bob joined forces with Professor Elan Crew of Stanford University, who'd given the helicopter talk. Together, they wrote a proposal for NASA, but it didn't get funded, so it sat on Bob Balaram's shelf for 15 years. Cut to seven years ago, and the director of JPL, Dr Charles Alachi, raised the idea of a Mars helicopter again. By 2013, drones were all the rage, and Alachi had the same question Bob Balaram had back in the 90s. Could we put a drone on Mars? And with that, the Mars Helicopter Project was born. When NASA's Perseverance rover lands on Mars next year, it will be armed with a 1.8-kilogram helicopter. The little flying device could bring space exploration to greater heights. As chief engineer, Bob would be responsible for the design and build of the helicopter, working out the physical constraints and making the final call on technical details. But the project needed a leader, someone who could bring together all the engineers within JPL, NASA Ames, NASA Langley, as well as the private companies involved. Someone to get the project off the ground, quite literally. So Mimi Young came on board, the woman who would unite these disparate teams into one and make the Mars helicopter happen. I think of her as the sort of sharp point of the spear that sort of kept, kept us going and pushing ahead regardless of what obstacles, uh, technical or programmatic or financial, you know, she was always 
very much, you know, focused on the end goal. And so she got us to that end point. According to Mimi, there was always one goal driving her through the project. I want to add aerial dimension to space exploration. So I think that's what drove me. Um, today we explore, you know, for example, on Mars, right? We study Mars with spacecraft in orbit. And we have rovers now on the surface, you know, that can rove, right? But we're not using the aerial dimension. Adding that dimension uh, was what drove me. The Mars helicopter team had created simulations that showed flight was possible. If the helicopter didn't break the laws of physics, then technically speaking, it could fly. But it's one thing to simulate a helicopter on Mars. Actually building a spacecraft capable of launching, flying and landing on an alien planet? That's a whole different ballgame. The development process involved a lot of iteration and a lot of testing. In 2014, the team built a one-third scale vehicle to demonstrate that they could actually generate lift with a small, lightweight helicopter. Next, they began building a full-scale prototype to prove that that could fly. The big challenge was the Martian atmosphere. On Earth, a helicopter works by spinning its rotor blades through the air to generate lift. If the blades are the right size and shape and they spin fast enough, the helicopter lifts off the ground. But when you leave Earth and go to Mars, there's virtually no air to push against. The Martian atmosphere is incredibly thin compared to Earth's. It's about 99% less dense, so the design and shape of the helicopter needs to change. The Ingenuity helicopter needed big rotor blades and a small body to be able to generate lift in Mars's atmosphere, and the blades had to spin fast. The team designed a helicopter with blades that measured four feet, or roughly 1.2 metres, from end to end. They had to spin at 2,800 rotations per minute. That's 10 times faster than blades on a helicopter here on Earth. And even with those large rotors, there was another limitation. Because the atmosphere is very thin, uh, you have to build a system that can spin the blades very fast and the vehicle has to be very light. So with that 1.2 meter diameter rotor, the entire vehicle had to weigh less than two kilograms, right? We have this uh, limit of 1.8 to two kilograms limit. We had to build something lighter than that. So that is very, very light. That's like four pounds, right? So that's the first challenge that our team had to um, overcome. Getting a spacecraft to weigh under that four-pound limit was a huge challenge. This wasn't just a toy drone flying on Earth. This was a drone that had to survive an almost seven-month-long journey through space and then fly around Mars completely autonomously. No pilot, no remote control, just a series of waypoints in the sky sent from the team back here on Earth. Building something like this was going to take serious teamwork, NASA couldn't afford to have everyone working in different silos, fine-tuning their components in isolation, then bringing everything together at the last minute. Every ounce spent by one team might be mass that another team would have to shed. Every discipline really had to come together and say, look, under this less than four pound limit, can we pack in this capability of all the computers, all the rotor systems, you know, all the sensors, batteries, solar panels, landing gear, all of that, can they all be packed in an unprecedented way, you know, where all the boundaries that we have in our engineering disciplines, we couldn't have them anymore, the traditional boundaries. 
Everybody had to pitch in and every gram was a challenge. Then there were the questions about how they would actually run their test flights. We were also inventing how to test it. It wasn't just our team was inventing how to build this helicopter. How do you test it? Nobody had tested a helicopter for Mars before. You know, how do you simulate the environment? How do you build the test equipment? And any step of the way, if we tested it wrong uh, in an incorrect manner, um, it could break. And, you know, we were under time pressure because we had certain milestones that if we didn't meet, it was our right to lose. They tested the helicopter prototype in a 25-foot space simulator, a JPL, a chamber that they used to recreate the atmosphere of Mars. The flight demonstration happened in May 2016. The prototype had taken less than a year to build. We built the next uh, generation of vehicle, the full-scale prototype, uh, in 11 months from when the funding for it arrived. Okay, so can you imagine the first full-scale prototype that we built to show that we can actually fly in this chamber with the simulated Mars atmospheric density? We did it from concept uh, to the flight demo uh, in the chamber, which was due May 31st of 2016, and I remember that date because we did do our flight demonstration on May 31st of 2016. Can you imagine the 11 months? That was nuts. <laughs> According to Bob Balaram, this was the moment the team showed the skeptics that flying on Mars was actually possible. Every step of the way, somebody could have said no you know, every step of the way. But uh, we got that big milestone where we flew for the first time and that put to bed a lot of uh, questions that had been raised. And after that, it was just uh, a little bit more straightforward. But even with that success, the pressure didn't let up. Sure, they'd shown the prototype, but now they had to build the engineering development model, the full-scale design of the helicopter with all the capability of operating and flying autonomously on Mars. The team put two development models through rounds of testing over months and months. In the back of their minds, there was always that deadline. If they weren't ready when the rover was ready to launch, they would lose their ride to Mars. The pressure was intense, and the final mass of the helicopter was always that four-pound elephant in the room. An easy way to solve an engineering problem is to make something heavier and you know more robust, but you do that, you can't get a helicopter to fly. So there were countless times where there was uh, all sorts of technical issues. I literally believe I had a crisis every week. For Mimi and the team, this was an intense period. For a while, I, I think a lot of us probably didn't have a weekend for a very, very long time. A lot of our kids grew up a lot <laughs> in that time frame. Um, I remember um, the first kind of final slower time that I had I think in uh, 2019 and I was uh, walking around uh, on a vacation week and all of a sudden I'm realizing like, when did I become the shortest person in my family, you know? <laughs> and it, it was, it was, so then that's, those are the moments when you realize like, wow, you know, we all, our team really got into this job. We were really dedicated. We were really driven and we didn't even take it like a sacrifice. We just did what it took to make it work, you know? Ultimately, they made the deadline. They built a final Mars helicopter flight unit that would be the one to launch and fly in the real Martian atmosphere. A drone that could recharge its own batteries and even take photos, all while staying under four pounds. 
On April 6, 2020, just short of four months before the launch of Perseverance, the helicopter was finally attached to the rover, ready for launch. In the end, the helicopter's fuselage, which held the computers, sensors, batteries, telecommunications hardware, and even heaters, measured just eight by six by five and a half inches, about the size of a small tissue box. If you look closely at the photos of Perseverance before its launch, you can see Ingenuity tucked away underneath, ready for its big trip. Compared to the rover, which is the size of a small car, Ingenuity looks small and fragile. That is, until you notice its massive carbon fibre rotors. Still, it doesn't feel like something that was designed and engineered ounce by ounce could survive in the harsh climate of Mars. It looks like a little creature hitching a ride on the underside of a truck. I found myself thinking, what if it gets knocked off mid-flight? What if it can't get off the ground when it arrives? What if it can't even fly? But then I realised these questions have already been asked and answered countless times. They're the same questions that Mimi Young, Bob Ballaram and the rest of NASA have been asking for years. It's the reason they had all those sleepless nights. They were testing and retesting every single element of this helicopter, working out how to safely attach it to the rover so it could still receive communications and power, working out how to protect it on the journey to Mars, and working out how it would descend the final five inches from underneath the rover onto the Martian surface. The answer to that involves a very cool spring-loaded arm and literal pyrotechnics to cut ties with the rover. All of these brilliant solutions were powered by physics and maths and, dare I say it, human ingenuity. This is the Wright Brothers moment that NASA was talking about. Instead of a wooden airplane taking off from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, this new flying machine would be taking off to fly on another world. It might seem physically impossible, but according to the laws of physics, it is possible. And they'd done the tests to prove it. Finally, launch day arrived. For Mimi Young and the team, they had done everything they could. After years of work, the Mars helicopter was ready for its launch. And on July 30, 2020, the Perseverance rover and its little ride-along Ingenuity launched from Cape Canaveral in Florida. That was NASA launching its newest rover to Mars today. Researchers plan to use this trip to look for signs of life on the red planet. When Mimi talks about that day, it's clear it was a major milestone. But ever the engineer, she was already thinking about the next challenge and the next milestone. I asked her how she would feel for the next few months while she was waiting for Ingenuity to arrive on Mars. Nervous the whole way. <laughs> Remember, uh, this is the first ever helicopter in Mars, right? So every step really is checking. Uh, you know, every step is a, a series of experiments and, and you've nailed it. It's a journey, it's, you know, it's a journey. After launching to Mars in July, the Perseverance rover is due to arrive on February 18, 2021. 
it will descend through the Martian atmosphere, surviving what NASA calls the seven minutes of terror during the entry, descent and landing, and it will touch down in Mars's Jezero crater. In fact, thanks to cameras on the rover, we'll get to see real video footage of this landing for the very first time. From there, the rover will be off on its mission, which is set to last for at least one Martian year, or about 687 Earth days. The rover will attempt to gather data about the climate and geology of Mars, and even search for signs of ancient microbial life. And it'll collect samples along the way that will one day, hopefully, be returned to Earth. And as for the Ingenuity helicopter, it will finally be ready for its mission. I think the nail biting will really start once we get to the surface. Uh, the first one is when Perseverance rover deploys Ingenuity helicopter to the surface, right? Because it's attached and there it will be uh, deployed and then the rover will drive away to, uh, you know, about 100 meters uh, distance away. And the moment that the helicopter is dropped, that's when the helicopter starts to live, operate on its own, right? Because at that point, it's no longer attached to any, you know, uh, resources, right, away from it. It's literally standing there. It has to charge itself with its own solar panel, through the solar panel, store the energy in the batteries, and then execute all these, you know, commands that we send to it, but the helicopter has to execute it autonomously. After they land, the helicopter and the rover will run a series of tests and checks. And within roughly two months of the landing, Ingenuity will have a window of 30 souls, or 30 Martian days, roughly about a month on Earth, to make up to five flights. But there are still a lot of ifs. If the helicopter can survive the entry, descent and landing, if it makes it through its first sub-zero night on Mars, if it can deploy safely, charge itself with its built-in solar panel and spin up its rotor blades for the first time, then it will be ready to fly. And if it can fly by itself and land back on the surface of Mars without any incident, then it will have been a success. There are so many elements to get right, with a lot riding on each tiny stage of the process. But if it happens, the NASA team will have made history. That'll be a huge check mark. Maybe that'll be the first time I'll do a slight sigh of relief. Um, and then first sign of celebration, I think. <laughs> uh, here we are. And then once we have that in our pocket, we will start doing uh, bolder and bolder flights, you know, higher uh, heights and longer distances. And we have up to five flights planned in that 30 Martian days that are set aside for our flight experiments. For Bob Ballaram, he will have finally experienced what the Wright brothers experienced more than a century ago. Uh, I think I've called it a Kitty Hawk moment, you know, it's first control flight outside of a, of an aircraft. So that'll be, uh, you know, uh, that, that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, bringing in aerial mobility to, to, a, to a planet that hasn't had that kind of exploration capability. It's that aerial element that is so game-changing. Here on Earth, human flight completely changed what we we're able to explore and achieve. And Mars will be no different. We've sent rovers down to the surface of Mars, and we've sent probes that have orbited the whole planet. But the ability to enter a new dimension just above the surface? That will change the game. Getting a bird's eye view of the Martian terrain, exploring further, bringing in new data. Drones like Ingenuity could one day be scouts for human astronauts that land on the red planet. 
And that's a truly exciting possibility. For the JPL team, the past seven years involved a huge amount of work. Sleepless nights, the crunch of trying to meet milestone after milestone, and every step of the way, the program could have failed. It could still fail. But speaking about the roller coaster her team has been on, Mimi Young still sounds calm and collected. She still talks about the sleepless nights and all that pressure, but she's also quick to laugh. There is so much joy in her voice. It's clear that she's really proud of this achievement. I think it's a team accomplishment. So I look at it more as this has been such an extraordinary experience and it has been really an honor, opportunity uh, and dream come true in that I got to be a part of such a phenomenal team. That's the feeling that I treasure the most. And it is phenomenal. Mimi Ung drove the project that will put a helicopter on Mars. And despite all this, she's still incredibly humble. She doesn't consider herself a role model, but she is keen to share her knowledge with the younger generation, the kids who are growing up now, looking at the stars, and who could one day take us to new reaches of space. Uh, role model, I probably would feel too humble to say, you know, I'm a role model. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, but I would love to, I, I have, you know, love to share my experience and I would like to encourage really the next generation. Never doubt yourself. When you believe that there is something that you want to see happen and you see a path to it, even if you run into roadblocks, it, you'll find your way through it. The Mars Helicopter Project has had to overcome so many roadblocks. But that's the wonder of teamwork, achieving the seemingly impossible through the power of human ingenuity. Making Space was produced by Claire Riley and Sophia Fox Sowell. This episode was written and recorded by Claire Riley in San Francisco, California. The show was sound designed and mixed with additional audio production by Stephen Beecham in South Lake Tahoe, California. Additional audio courtesy of CNA, CBS News, NASA, and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Making Space is a production of CNET.